This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Always delighted to be joined by our next guest, a friend from over at Fox 31, Aaron Anderson. You can give him a follow at Aaron Anderson. And Aaron, thank you for joining us. It's uh, it's good to talk to you, obviously, about uh, interesting stuff happening in the football world here in Colorado. We'll start with the Broncos. I guess we'll get the bad news uh, out of the way. The Broncos 0-2. They have lost their first two games at home against teams that they were more than a field goal favorite. It is hard to imagine, at least result-wise, a worse start on, on the same side of the coin, however, uh, they have lost these games by a total of only a handful of points. Are you more of a glass uh, half full or a glass half empty guy when it comes to these first couple of games? Well, look, that's a, a great question, and, and thanks again for having me on. Sean, you and I texted uh, earlier today, and, and you made the statement, which was, you know, sometimes the better stories come out of the losing locker room. And <laughs> maybe that's something we can look forward to because, gosh, out of the last seven years, we've had a ton of great stories, right? Um, there are no moral victories, as we know, in the NFL, but the fact that the Broncos have been close certainly would lead you to believe that the glass is half full. But once again, we're talking about a football team that is finding ways to lose games as opposed to finding ways to get the job done. So I, I think it remains to be seen, but I'm, I'm trying to stay optimistic. How's that for an answer? Well, um, you you use the word, I believe, fix. What has Sean Payton fixed? Whew, let's see. Um, <laughs> Certainly not Russell on, Wilson. Well, I, I, I think you can say that Russell Wilson is playing better on the whole. I mean, he's got five touchdown passes under his belt as compared to two at this point through two games last year. Completion percentage is going to be higher. I think his QBR is uh, 20 you know, points higher. But at the end of the day, I, 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 you have a team that's undisciplined that defensively leads the league in penalties, which is absurd, and again has just – I don't know how to really describe it. It, it just seems like there are points during the game, specifically in the second half, where this team loses its way, loses direction, and eventually loses football games. And – you know, we heard at great length Sean Payton was going to be the adult in the room, but so far that adult well, has not been able to curb it, these issues it, which, can, it, which continue to plague this team. If you define adult as the most arrogant individual, not only in the room, but in the entire organization, <laughs> he would seem to pass. Uh, here's the reality. The Broncos the other day became the 52nd team since 1966 to open with losses in consecutive home games. That's a period that covers 58 years. It is hard to do. And, of course, not every team opens with two games at home, obviously. That doesn't happen a lot. But here's the kicker. Of the 51 previous teams that opened with two home losses, two made the playoffs. Two. And in something reminiscent of the Hackett era at its worst, the Broncos called three first-half timeouts, and this was when they were ahead 21-3 at one point. Three first-half timeouts, and the coach basically after the game said that Russell Wilson has to be sharp in getting the playoffs. 
well, and didn't uh, name himself. He named Wilson. He kind of gave some, well, the coaches have to do this and that. The coaches, he didn't name himself specifically. He didn't name any assistant coach, his offensive coordinator, for example, specifically. But he did name Russell Wilson, who had to be sharper in his view. He also said about Russell Wilson, the second quarter fumble shifted momentum. He implied irrevocably. That's an absurd statement to make in a game where you're up 21 to 3. A fumble changes the outcome of the game or changes the momentum once and for all. And he also added, oh, by the way, he blew the game by missing Jerry Judy wide open in the end zone on the two-point conversion that would have tied the game. Oh, by the way, this is the same guy who had Jerry Judy on the bench for large portions of the second half and had Marvin Mims Jr., who had two catches for 113 yards and one touchdown in the first half, finish the game with the same numbers. And again, if he played, I didn't notice in the second half. Yeah. No, you make valid points. And and I would piggyback on top of that. If you count the first four drives, the first four drives, the Broncos ran the football on 12 of 19 plays. Over the next seven possessions, they ran the football 11 total times. So they, they went away from the bread and butter. I mean, they invested uh, a large portion of the offseason budget in two guys in Powers and McGlinchey who specialize in one thing, which is running the football. And if you run into a hiccup with Russell Wilson, my thought would be, well, there's the catch-all. At least we can pound the football in control and dictate the, the, um, the tempo of this game. And, and it just... I agree with you, Sandy, 100%. In fact, I'll take it a step further. Sean Payton said at one point during the postgame presser that we had issues with communication, be it calling plays, getting plays into the right. huddle, getting personnel into the huddle. Right. He then went on to say, I have got to do a better job. Russell has got to do a better job. And if necessary, we can you know, go to the wristband, which is sort of oh, like wristband. telling yourself. Yeah which is like telling your spouse, hey, honey, I've noticed that, you know, we, we've had a trouble, a hard time getting to where we need to get on time. Right. I need to do a better job. You need to do a better job. And you know what we potentially could do is I'll just get a big clock like Flavo Flav you used to wear, and we'll yeah. put it around your neck. Right. And it, it just seemed very convenient to me that, and, and I'll go back, I actually went home and rewatched that game because that statement stuck with me. And, and I encourage anyone out there, if you have any questions, to do the same. There were a number of cutaways in which Sean Payton was going through the play call, relaying that to Russell Wilson, and it took an extended amount of time. And my first thought was, God, why does this have to be so doggone difficult? So when Payton says, hey, you know, um, I've never been through this before, there's a part of me that thinks you're right. The blame, some of it, does lie with Sean Payton. It does. We've already established it, it, it he's does. going to be the last guy in the room to point the finger at himself to say, hey, exactly. I've got to do a better job and mean it. Well, it, it, uh, it, decreasing the verbiage was, uh, I think, his phrase. Yeah, his and, phrase. and I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out, Artem, because, it, it, again, this is one of those things that, well, we, we could see it. I mean, when, when the camera's yeah. on the sideline and you're looking at Sean Payton call those in, uh, the, the clock is on the bottom of the screen on the television. I mean, you can see right. it. And... That part, I think, is maybe what's a little bit jarring is the idea that uh, Wilson, and I went over it before you came on, 
Uh, it hasn't been lights out, but if you look at, at EPA, one of the more advanced, newer metrics, which is pretty effective. Uh, overall, Russell Wilson is 10th among quarterbacks. When you look at just passing, he's 14th. Now, among rushing, he's the best, but that's not something they really want him doing. Nevertheless, 10th overall, 14th among passers, is, uh, while not what I think Broncos fans hoped, but is not that unrealistic for a 35-year-old quarterback. And I would think along the lines of what Sean Payton would have sort of hoped or expected at least to get out of Russell Wilson. And so if Wilson is more or less doing his part, inconsistent as it may be, you know, at what point does this become Payton's responsibility on offense to not do some of the things that Sandy's pointed out? Uh, Great, you had success with Marvin Mims. Maybe play him in the second half. Russell Wilson can't make him come in. That was that was Peyton's idea. Uh, Julio McLaughlin ran for a touchdown. Play him in the second half. Guys that scored yeah. touchdowns for you in the first half didn't come back in. Uh, those are on the coach, not the quarterback, right? Absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> we hear all the time, you've got to be able to run to set up the pass. I mean, if you can't establish the run after those first three drives, which clearly they didn't, the safeties are going to back up, and it's going to make it a, a, a tougher sell for you to beat somebody over the top. And why Mims – and I don't believe he was targeted, guys, after that second catch, which was that 53-yard. No, he, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. You're right. And it, it's just mind-boggling. If you have a weapon like that, why on earth would you holster it? I mean, that is a, that is a game-breaker. And let's not forget, I mean, if, if you're up 21-3, all you need is one more score, and that commander team quits. I refuse to believe it is yeah. you. I kind of thought they had quit already, but I guess I was wrong. <laughs> I thought at 21 well, 3 they had quit. The coaching staff credit, yeah. Coaching well, staff thought they could still win, obviously. Players did too. Well, and, and you know, I, I just I, I have such a hard time believing that this team is so fragile that one mistake can turn right. the tide and completely right. change the game. If that's the case, you're right. This goes deeper than the players. This gets into the psyche of the coaching staff who's not instilling in this this team that they, in fact, have the capability of winning a game. It goes much deeper than the players. That's how fragile this this whole team is as a whole. Yeah, one mistake with a three-score lead at the time, mind you. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about, uh, you know, I, I was uh, at the game on Saturday night up in Boulder and uh, – I went to bed with, uh, even though CU won the game, uh, CSU crossing patterns. Uh, <laughs> there seemed to be dozens of them uh, executed flawlessly throughout the game, and I did the kind of uh, crossing patterns dancing in my head in my dreams. On Saturday night, there were so many of them, and there weren't nearly as many screen passes by Washington on Sunday, but the five screens they executed, they got 68 yards out of the five screen passes. And... Uh, the Bronco defense is third worst through two weeks in the NFL in points given up per drive. It, it, I mean, that's astounding, and they're terrible in the red zone. They've given up five touchdowns on seven opposing red zone trips by the Raiders and Washington. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, where's this great deal? Where's the world's greatest defense that we've heard about for at least – I would say at least five years now since Vic Fangio became the head coach and people said he's the world's greatest defensive coordinator. The Broncos are going to have the world's greatest defense. And I'll give you this before you answer, Aaron. Get this. We're talking with Aaron Anderson of Fox 31. Aaron Anderson on Twitter. That's A-R-R-A-N. And Anderson is S-E-N. EPA per play expected for the Denver Broncos. Point 
two, which on defense is bad. The only team in the NFL that is worse is the Chargers at point two one. And we know they can't stop it. And who did they not stop? The Miami Dolphins? Who's next on the Broncos schedule? I don't know. All right, go go for it. <laughs> no, it, it, it's frightening. I mean, you went from a unit that was the, this team's greatest asset, which has now become the, the greatest detriment. And, you know, we look at the stat sheet, and the, the one thing that jumps out is the Broncos had four sacks. Well, all four of those sacks were, in effect, coverage sacks. They were. The, they were. That's the exactly The inability right. to put pressure on a quarterback is astounding. And, you know, for those of us who had the benefit of watching preseason practices, I, in hindsight is 2020, I think it was a function of the offensive line not having its bearings that every day it seemed like yeah. you would see the defense That's get to right. the quarterback. That's right. and, and I think we totally got lulled to sleep that here we start the, the regular season against two offensive lines that are probably middle of the pack at best in the Raiders and, and commanders. Yes, and they, at they best. can't. They can't touch anybody. And Sam Howell looked like Joe Montana back there. I mean, my goodness. Oh, especially Anytime, in the second half. Especially in the second half. Uh, oh, my gosh. It was it was pathetic. And then we look ahead. You, you mentioned Vic Fangio. We're going to see a heavy dose of him. Uh, but I'm yes. more concerned. Yes. I'm more concerned with what Tua and all the weapons of the well, Dolphins have are going to do to this defense if you can't put pressure on him. My goodness. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Damari Mathis, and I'm thinking – you know, we saw him picked on at great length. He wasn't very good thing. the other day either. No, he wasn't good. And, and this is going to be one of those uh, blooper reels that people are going to put up for years. I, who was the – Sandy uh, and Sean, you guys will remember that. Who was the DB in Kansas City when the Broncos played at Arrowhead that, that Peyton Manning picked on time and time and time again? I, my fear is that's what we're going to see Sunday in Miami. We're, by the way, Broncos historically are – one and eight all time, and the only victory there in Miami in that humidity was engineered by one Tim. That Tebow. that was so the Tim Tebow ball. That that was Tim right. Tebow's road debut, wasn't it? A debut. I think that was Detroit here, and they got killed. Or was that the following week after Miami? That might have been after been Miami. It, it's I, I not it was, been a great actually. place for the Broncos. Uh, it's not been a great way. place for the Broncos. <laughs> and uh, you'll remember this: that in that game, until the waning seconds. The Broncos didn't do a thing and were getting ready to lose the game. And the very good team the Broncos had in 2005 on opening day went down to Miami, and it was about 150 degrees on the field. I don't think I'm exaggerating by that much. And with attendant humidity, and this was of the non-championship teams in the history of the franchise. This was a top-five team in 2005. Miami was coached at the time by Nick Saban, and they mm. blew the doors off the Broncos on opening day. The Broncos couldn't take the heat, the humidity. Um, they, they were awful. And they went on and won 13 of their final 15 games, I think, uh, that year, right. won the division going away. So Miami has not been uh, uh, hospitable to the Broncos. Uh, when no. Vance Joseph was the head coach, they went down there. Adam Gase was the head coach uh, who had been uh, spurned by John Elway. And uh, Adam Gase ran up the score on him and was onside kicking with big leads in the in the second half. It, here's a deal, though, on this defense, and this encapsulates everything you talked about, and I'd like to hear your reaction to it. The Broncos have blitzed at the sixth highest rate in the league. The QBR against them 
while they're blitzing is 88.5. 100 is perfect. Yeah. That puts them 26th in the league when they're blitzing. And opposing quarterbacks are nine-tenths of the way almost to being perfect against them. And when they they blitzed the other day, and actually the one time that they let Drew Sanders onto the field and he was part of a sack, well, that play didn't count because Fabian Moreau <laughs> was called for a penalty and the drive that was about to result in a punt continued for Washington. So uh, they're the most penalized. What is it? Uh, uh, number one in defensive fouls with right. 12. Five of the 12 yeah. have been personal fouls, and seven of the 12 have come on third down or fourth down. Well, no it, discipline. It reminds, me of, it reminds me of a saying, Sandy, which is damned if you do, damned if you yeah. don't. I mean, <laughs> you, you you send people, you're in trouble. Right. You, you sit back, you're in trouble. Yeah. I, I, I don't right. know what the answer is. I certainly, at this point, why not put Drew Sanders in there? I mean, you drafted this guy because he was an inside linebacker who had incredible intangibles and ability. What do you have to lose at this point? Well, Well, they soured on Singleton, apparently. He only played 64% of the snaps the the other day, but they're still in love with Josie Jewell. If this roster isn't isn't all that good, and Sean Payton's come to recognize it, isn't that more incentive to start playing your younger guys? Your draftees and get them snaps? Absolutely. And, that, that part and, you know, confuses if, me. If if everything we've seen and heard thus far about Sanders is true, I I, I think he's going to be a real asset. I mean, I look. Um, unless you can get pressure on the quarterback, I, I just don't think things are going to improve. I'm not so worried about offense. As strange as that sounds, I, I think the Broncos are going to score points. But this is going to be like a, a Paul Westhead uh, coached NBA team, where you know not every game can be a track meet. And at some point, this defense is going to have to buckle down and start making stops and getting teams off the field. And through two games, we have not seen that at all. There hasn't been any hope or glimmer of hope. And, yeah, if you've got to shake things up, shake things up. Because whatever it is we're doing right now, it's just flat out is not working. Not getting ejected, by the way, uh, as well. uh, By the way, the Paul Westhead system uh, for the Nuggets, uh, 44 and 120. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, here's the, the other so well. thing, though. Paul Westhead coached his team to as many championships as, as Sean, Sean Payton has coached. You may have, you may have come across something there, Aaron, maybe even unintentionally, but, yeah, the idea is uh, when the Denver Nuggets brought in yeah. Paul Westhead, the idea was this guy's won a ring. This guy's yeah, won a that's title. That's exactly right. That's exactly why yep. they hired him. Yeah, he's won a ring. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's with. with with Jack McKinney's Showtime system, yeah, well, but- which Pat Riley was smart enough to bring back. Showtime yeah. was Jack McKinney. Showtime was not Pat Riley. Showtime was certainly not Paul Westhead. In fact, right. the weird thing about Paul Westhead is he got fired by the Lakers for slowing them down. And then mm-hmm. he became the guru of go. That's uh, right. But Sean right. Payton's success right. was driven in part by one Drew, Drew Brees. And Paul Westhead won his championship because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the MVP of the finals, even though he didn't play in the last game. And Magic Johnson had maybe the greatest single game ever played 
in the NBA Finals. Boy, I hope that is not the uh, the parallel that we're reaching right here, RM. But boy, that is something to think about. I really appreciate that that thought. If Broncos fans maybe get a little bit of a chill about it, but there is something at least two games in of an overlap that you know they and even thinking back to the Westhead days, the idea was it's not the system. It's not the system's fine. We just need to execute uh-huh. it better. And we're hearing the same sort of things. We will find out soon enough. He is Aaron Anderson over at Fox 31. Make sure you check him out and check out Colorado Sports Night. Got a great guest every single weeknight and talking about all the things Broncos and Buffs and everything. And by the way, soon enough, Avs and Nuggets coming around soon rather than later. Maybe not even soon enough if the Broncos don't start turning things around. Appreciate it, Aaron. My pleasure. Always fun to chat with you guys. Have a great week. Right. Thanks so much. Aaron Anderson joining us from Fox 31. You know, Aaron I, Anderson I, I, I feel on Twitter. Every oh, time we talk Andy, to Aaron, that Paul I, Westhead thing is now going to be stuck in my head. Well, I, I feel a little bad for Aaron because we're putting him in a position of, in, in some respects, defending the indefensible. And to his credit, he is He's, not trying to defend the indefensible. Right, right, <laughs> and and finding some finding some different angles at it as well. And by the way, the uh, I had to look back at the. Defensive back, he was thinking that Peyton Manning picked on all those years. Kendrick Lewis was the guy <laughs> that Manning picked on. When he Wasn't was... it Albert Lewis who intercepted about 15,000 Elway passes? Uh, Albert, Another guy Albert named Lewis, Lewis was actually a guy yeah. they tried to stay oh, away from. Yes, absolutely. The other Lewis was a guy they Kendrick picked. Lewis, though, uh, Peyton Manning picked on quite a bit. We'll talk more about these things as well. It's your show, 303-831-1340. is the caller text line. We'll be back on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, football season is upon us, and, you know, we, everyone can do that. So I bet with the big boys. Instead, try your hand at the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door, just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices on parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day using the promo code MILEHIGH. That one rings a bell, doesn't it? So bet with the best and use promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sandy, we opened the show talking about the Colorado Buffaloes and the fact that Travis Hunter will be lost for a while with at least uh, uncorroborated reports saying of a lacerated liver, although that stands to reason regardless. Three to four weeks. Yeah, three to four weeks. Uh, the next two weeks against, against Oregon and Southern Cal. That's the number 10 and number six teams in the country, respectively. The hype train for the buses is going to be interesting because now, I th- look, they, they've, they've overachieved. I don't think. The truth is nobody expected them to go in and beat TCU down in Fort Worth. True. Turns out TCU is not as good as expected. Nevertheless, nobody expected that. That was a shock the world moment. Even if you knew that TCU, after three games, wouldn't... 
They're not bad. They're just the not what nearly they were. what yeah. they were last year. Even if you knew that, you still would have had a beating CU. Right. A one-win team that just threw its entire roster together in the offseason. Right. Uh, they handled it. Well, it took a little while to get the traction. They easily handled Nebraska at yes. home. Oh, Again, a, a Big Ten team, right? So, right. And, and then Power they ended up having a very conference. difficult but very entertaining game. Uh, with the Rams that ended up being the most watched night game they've ever had, the fifth best, fifth largest watched game ESPN's ever had, the biggest stream game they've ever had, even though it didn't finish until after 2 a.m. on the East Coast. The games against Oregon and against USC will be nationally televised as well. The first five games, national television broadcast. Oregon, however, is a completely different animal than the previous three teams that they've played. And that starts, I guess, right off the bat with, uh, Heisman candidate and quarterback Bo Nix. Absolutely. It starts with Bo Nix. It does not end with Bo Nix. But uh, this is uh, the best quarterback conference oh, in the nation. it's not even in close. In 2023. It's a, there's not a close second. And Sanders, Penix, you, Nix, Penix, Caleb Williams. Nix, I mean, sheesh. Uh, you got Caleb Williams, right off the, the bat. Heisman Trophy winner from last year who could conceivably win it again, although he may have a more difficult challenge this year unfortunately uh, missing three to four weeks travis hunter is probably out of consideration now for the heisman but you've got a bunch of other quarterbacks including may at north carolina uh, who are having wonderful seasons but the, the boy it's a murderous row of quarterbacks in the pac-12 and now you start to see them with the conference opener uh, coming up on saturday uh 1 mountain time start on abc so you've had couple of games on you've Fox. Fox, you've had ESPN, yep. and now you now get, get ABC. ESPN on ABC or ABC on ESPN, whatever whatever they call it. But it will be on ABC uh, Channel 7 at 1.30 on Saturday afternoon, and then they get USC, another morning start, bright and early at uh, 10 a.m. Yeah, yeah, and uh, good news for the Buffs. Uh, we talk about the injury. The, the Hunter is bad. Good news is uh, Alton McCaskill coming back from that knee injury. The, uh, the kid who transfer out of, out of Houston who lived, first year lit up uh, the, the Big 12 was terrific. Uh, non-contact jersey off of him, as Sanders indicated today, that he could play against Oregon. That would be a, a, that would a help. great a, amount that of help, help against an Oregon team. They're going to need to slow down. Really they done very well to establish the run. Yeah. They have not. And Shador Sanders. Uh, you know, make some interesting things happening while he's improvising, but he'll be better if you can give him running. a running game. It'll make the play action work and everything else. Now, obviously, there are challenges for this Oregon team earlier in the day over on first take at ESPN. Uh, you had a a discussion there by Paul Feinbaum, who covers the primate, kind of known morally for the SEC for a lot yeah. of it, but knows his college football. Talked a little bit about this game and about the Buffalo's chances against Oregon. Well, the Travis Hunter injury is is really uh, unbelievable, especially the the cheap shot that was laid on him. Having said all that, I can only come up with one. Uh, the competition is really getting ratcheted up. We're not just talking about run-of-the-mill pedestrian teams like TCU, Nebraska, and Colorado State. We're talking about some of the best teams in the country right now in Oregon and USC with elite quarterbacks. And especially this weekend on the road, I, I just don't think it's possible that Colorado, with all the magic around this program that uh, the two of you guys have helped create, is going to be able to get it done. Uh, Bo Nix is the quarterback out there. He's been around a long time. He started at Auburn. He has matured into an, an excellent 
uh, QB. He's got a lot of compliments around him. And uh, as much as uh, I think we would all like to see this train continue, it ends Saturday afternoon. And the two guys he was referring to, of course, were Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith. Right. And uh, take this for what it's worth. Every week, the athletic ranks all the FBS teams, one through 133. As of this week, they had TCU number 27, which I think is about right. Sure. And that, and that uh, once again, that's a good win. That's a great, uh, that's, that's an outstanding win. win. Yeah, no, no two ways about it. Nebraska number 82. That seems about right. Uh, CSU 117. I think CSU is better than that. But, you know, they, they're somewhere in the low one. They've only played two games, they've only played and, two. and they lost their opening. And they lost to Washington yeah. State, ranked team, CU, ranked team. Let's see how they do the next two weeks. I suspect they'll be two and two, uh, two weeks from today. Uh, Oregon, um, already ranked. Uh, Athletic has them 11 rather yeah. than 10, and they have USC at 7. Arizona State at 90. Now, that's a road game that's winnable, but they'll have to win it without Travis Hunter, it would seem. Okay? Then you have Stanford, number 99, uh, 95. UCLA, number 21, on the road. Mm, UCLA's ranked 22nd, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those, the, the AP. And they take on number 11, Utah, in Utah uh, this right. weekend. That'll be a tough game. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State, uh, number 17, and similarly ranked uh, in, by Associated Press. They'll take week. on Washington State. Arizona Washington State. at home, that's number 80, and that's a must win. You, you have to have that one uh, because you can't count on beating two top 20 teams. In Washington State, no in Utah, or certainly two top twenty-five teams on the road at Washington State and at Utah. So, uh, you know, my my thing is six and six, and if you grab one that maybe let's say at UCLA, okay, you can have a winning season, mm-hmm. but you're going to a bowl game. That's, you're going to a bowl that's, game. That's been the goal. That I don't think that goal changed. I don't think three and zero changes it. I still think six wins is the goal. I, yeah. th- I don't think it's a given, despite well, the fact they started three and zero was necessary to get the six. Quite you possibly, really, I, I think necessary to get the six, and maybe you can do a little better than that. Uh, the people who were talking, especially early in the off season, right after Dion was hired, about eight, nine, ten wins. Uh, that's they'll, they'll have to beat USC at home. Uh, they'll have to win one of those road games at Washington State or at Utah. Uh, I don't see it. But six wins in play, maybe seven, and you know we'll we'll see how competitive they can be uh, against Oregon. Nix is the guy who worries me because he's by far test. the best quarterback they've faced. This is the first real test. Yeah, and you're right. He is by far the best quarterback they faced. Oregon, by the way, a three touchdown favorite, twenty one points as it stands. Although expect uh, fireworks. The over under in Vegas on that was handy. 71 points. So they're expecting... Well, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, they're <laughs> expecting some uh, traditional Pac-12 fireworks, but... Uh, I, that's that's uh, 71, you said? 71. I think I think it'll be a lot like CUCSU, which was 78. Yeah, I think it could be like that, too. And but, even in regulation was, what, 56? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I think this will be higher scoring. Deion Sanders has no problem looking for bulletin board material this week. Uh, Dan Lanning, who really didn't 
uh, complain about Sanders, but when when the university announced that it was leaving and going to the Big Twelve, uh, Dan Lanning basically said, you know, what's remind me again of yeah, what they've uh, done, of what what they've the done in the Pac twelve, which one uh, fair football wise. Yes. Actually, fair. Yes. Two, though, somewhat disingenuous because your university was also immediately left after Less than a week later. And might not have had the incentive or ability to do so had Colorado not done not, not done that either and basically broken down the dam. Today, though, interesting comments by both. Here's what Deion Sanders said about Dan Lanning, the head coach of Oregon. Quote, yeah. what he's accomplished stepping in, taking over a program, and keeping it not only rocking steady but accelerating it, I respect the heck out of him. I love what he's accomplishing. I love who he is, the way he runs his team. I love the way he operates. So I've got a lot of respect for him. That was Sanders on Lanning. Uh, Lanning, maybe noting that, especially with probably the better team and at home, no need to poke and give Deion Sanders what he's after. Let me read you the, the total of it, the effusive in the praise. Quote, I think Coach Sanders has done a great job. Obviously, with his team, he's created a lot of momentum, and they've done phenomenal in their first three games. This will be a fun one for us. Sean Lewis does a phenomenal job, Lanning continued. That's the offensive coordinator. He creates a lot of issues. They're the fastest-paced team in our conference that's obviously passing for a ton of yards. Their quarterback's playing as well as anybody right now, and he has a really good grasp of their system. Defensively, Coach Kelly, Charles Kelly, the defensive coordinator, does a great job. We're kind of cut from the same tree, which is a great... It's not really a mixed metaphor, because you could be cut from the same tree. Branches off the same tree? I think it usually say cut from the same cloth, but it works. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. We're kind of cut from the same tree as far as philosophy and how he operates, and I think they're playing well within their scheme. They understand their strengths and their weaknesses. They understand how to utilize their players, and that shows up throughout the film for them. So, landing careful to realize, like, I... I have a nice thing going. I need to not whatever screw it up. he may or may not have thought about them when he made that statement on uh, media day, Pac-12 media day. Whatever he might or might not have thought about them, it's pretty clear now what he's determined to say about them, and the sweetness will continue all week. There oh yeah, won't, there won't be even a hint because he's understood that that they're favored by. A fair yeah. amount. Even without Travis Hunter, the Buffaloes have enough talent and enough speed, which Lanning referred to, right. to give them a puncher's chance if Oregon has a bad game. And Lanning, who is now piloting a top 10 program, is fully aware you want a way to screw up our entire season? This is the way to do it. <laughs> so he's not going to take any chances whatsoever. Well... We have a little more to talk about today, but what we have to talk about uh, for the first time today, he's made many appearances on our program. Uh, I, I've known performance psychologist Dr. Rick Perea for a decade. He's the best in the business. We get our checkup from the neck up on Metal Mondays at 5 p.m. week after week after week. Get yours from Dr. Rick Perea. The former performance psychologist, world champion Denver Broncos in 2015, Colorado Rockies, and world champion Denver Nuggets. Dr. P also helps middle and high school performers to reach peak levels. Whether you're an everyday performer at work, at play, or at school, call Dr. P today at 720-287-0933. That's 720-287-0933, or look him up at Dr. P at Think one, the number four, you, dot org. That's Dr. P at think one, four, you, 
Denver.org. He's improved my mental health, and he'll do the same thing for you. For the Denver Broncos, what are they going to find a way to get right? They have to get right on their own terms for sure. But, boy, you have one of the best teams, at least over the first two weeks in football, in Miami up next. And, uh, Sandy, you've had a chance. We'll talk about it a little bit. Do the Broncos actually have a weapon that can slow down Tyreek Hill, or are they making anyone do it? We'll talk about Tyreek Hill and Pat Sertan II next on My Life Sports. He'll never see you cry Pretends he doesn't know That he's the reason why You're drowning Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, Presented by Superbook Sports Download the Superbook app And start winning today At Superbook.com Here's Sean and Sandy Well we talked about it earlier in the show Tua Tonga-Vailoa is the NFL's leader in total EPA. He is the NFL's leader by a massive margin in passing EPA alone. In fact, he's, he leads the league in EPA, expected points added. Despite the fact among quarterbacks, he is league worst in EPA as a runner. And he still leads the, <laughs> all quarterbacks in EPA. But as a passer, it's almost comical. 38.3 expected points added in two games. The next best on far fewer snaps is Jordan Love at 20.4. And then the next best beyond that is Kirk Cousins at 17.8, Matthew Stafford at 15.8. But Sandy, quick checking my math here, 38.3 is more than double 17.8, and that's the number three guy in the NFL. Two is playing on another level right now. How does he throw screen passes? Well, (laughs) (laughs) I would imagine he does. And the Broncos in the first two games have faced nine running back, receiver, or tight end screen attempts. All nine passes have been completed for a total of 101 yards, the most allowed in the league to this point. The 11.2 yards per screen allowed ranks 30th. Uh Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, presumably, the Broncos will handle the screen game a little better since they've been scorched by it for two weeks. But um, even if Waddle doesn't play, and he's apparently in concussion protocol down in Miami now, coming off the New England game the other night, you still got Tyreek Hill, and you've got a bevy of good receivers and running backs who can run it and catch it. Yes. And you've got a pretty good offensive line that has generally kept Tua clean through the first two weeks. They really have, yeah. And Tua's got the quick release. We were talking during the break about uh, a, a nice bit that I thought they did on Sunday Night Football uh, where they compared, even though Tua is left-handed and Dan Marino is right-handed, they compared the throwing motions of the two quarterbacks uh, through their technology, and they're able to make Marino left-handed and Tua right-handed. So you had a comparison of the two guys, uh, the natural and the technologically created uh, other guy throwing from the opposite side. And uh, it was stunning how similar their motions were, and Chris Collinsworth had a good line. They just cut away to Dan Marino, who's now (laughs) an executive with the Miami Dolphins, sitting up in a booth 
with a rather dour expression on his face. And Collinsworth said, when I presented this to him before the game, he was about as excited as he looks right now uh, about, <laughs> about that. But uh, honestly, uh, he's not, he's certainly not Josh Allen stylistically as Allen loves to run and Tua would rather not run at all. Right. And the dolphins would rather not uh, also correct. run at all. But I'll tell you for the Shanahan or, you know, kind of the evolutionary deal, the Mike McDaniel system to his ideal. Yeah. If they can keep him away from getting hit in the head, only getting sacked 1.3% of the time he, thus far. It's only two games. I get impossible it. Possible to sack. He's got the quick release. Now, nobody, other than possibly Joe Willie Namath ever had a quicker release than Dan Marino had. Uh, right. So I'm not I'm not suggesting that Tua's release is as quick or certainly quick. Which is perhaps why Marino did Dan love Marino. the comparison. But, right, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, you know, and but you know, honestly, uh Marino w- was another guy that they didn't want to hit. And no. Marino is like Manning in the sense that he was his own best pass protector, mm-hmm. as was Joe Willie Namath. Uh, and, and the Jets would foul uh, as much as they had yeah. to to protect Namath. Tom Brady similarly. Hit. But it, Joe it Namath was yeah. always his best pass protector because at least in his best years, his first five years in the league, he had the quickest release in sport. And it, everybody knew that. And the same thing with Marino. And Tua, I think, is is getting rid of the ball now quickly, uh, and that's part of the Shanahan system anyway. Uh, you know, you're not going to see Tua bootlegging very much. Uh, uh, and no. so, so that part of the Shanahan offense uh, probably doesn't work very well for Tua Tungvaloa. But I'll tell you what, I thought he was scintillating in the first game. He wasn't quite as spectacular, and they actually bogged down in the second half, which I, I thought was more a tribute to Bill Belichick's defense than it was a any slowing down of the Miami offense. They had the lead and they played it closer to the best in the second half, but boy, they, they can open it up anytime they want to. And uh, who's going to cover Tyreek Hill yeah. or how are the Broncos going to cover uh, Tyreek Hill? Uh, Patrick Sertan in the first two games has had a couple of PIs. Uh, he's never going to make a lot of tackles in a game. Uh, that really isn't his deal. His deal is, uh, severely limiting uh, the opposing team's best receiver. Um, We'll see what happens with with Hill and how Miami uh, aligns him and how the Broncos choose to cover him. But uh, from a fan standpoint, you'd love to see the one-on-one matchup, wouldn't you? You absolutely would, although I don't know if that necessarily – favors uh the broncos no, because, oh, uh, obviously no, you're talking about one-on-one is not a great plan but before we get into uh hill and jefferson are the two best receivers or jefferson and hill in the nfl before we get into that too much want to take a moment we got a text i guess danny we do it's uh, about the broncos here from a uh, listener who referred to himself a couple weeks back as man of the people so mm-hmm. we'll stick with that okay. de- uh, designator there he says guys why win six to seven games and be stuck with lower draft pick? Play Stidham and the other kids. Trade Simmons and Sertan. Dump Vance Joseph. Dump George Payton. Get Mayor Williams in the draft. 
Well, that's not in the Broncos' they're, they're, plan. They're not. They're the not trading own, Simmons or Satan. ownership is not interested no. in tanking. They they spent no more they, than four billion dollars. They want to tier, steer towards winning. That's the reality. And but, Arizona, even showing off reasonably well, better than I thought they were. They're still zero two. Right. Nobody's nobody's going to be worse than Arizona. Houston's going to be bad uh, again. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, you get a top five pick, you'll get a good quarterback. Limited number of, of of snaps, obviously, in two games when you're talking about the sample size over at Pro Football Focus when it just comes to pass coverage. Pats are tan sitting at 15th in, in the league, so it, it, not terrible when you're talking about everybody oh, involved. Not, not great. But here's the problem. Let's go and look at yards per route run, which is a really yeah. good effective metric for wide receivers, right? And it's an easy one to understand. If you just take all their yards and the number of times they're in the yards per route run. Only six wide receivers in the entire league are over three. Number, at number six is the league's very surprised leading receiver, and that is Puka Nakua of the, yeah. of the Rams with his 25 Hasn't catches. Hasn't he been terrific? He really has. He's been at 3.02. That's sixth best. He's the new name on the list. Yeah. You'll know the other five. Directly ahead of him at 3.25, which is actually quite a jump when you're talking about that percentage total, is Justin Jefferson. Above him, Brandon Ayuk of the 49ers at 3.37. Who has also been tremendous the first Above him, C.D. Lamb of the Cowboys at 3.44. Above him, nice to uh, be a free agent at the end of the year, even even if he's a little older. That would be Mike Evans of the Buccaneers at 3.76 and actually leading the league in adjusted routes per route run. But number one in yards per route run, and again, another elevation, the only guy that's close to four, 3.92 one Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And here's the scary part. When it comes not when it comes to yards, I mean, by the way, he's the only receiver in the league that has three touchdowns already. But where is he normally renowned for? The run yards after catch, right? Yeah. Yards after catch. That's where he he makes all his, his yardage, right? Well, not so fast. He's twelfth. He's twelfth in through yards after catch. Through he'll two games. Better. But I mean, he'll get better. He's already leading the league in yards per round run right. and leads the league in touchdowns, right. and he'll get better. Uh, put it this way, Pat Sertan, I think, is very good. I think Pat Sertan will be a regular pro bowler uh, for years to come. If they try to put Pat Sertan on Tyreek Hill one-on-one, it's going to be a really, really long day. If you're going to try to ta- stop Tyreek Hill, it requires coverage over the top. Oh, it's going to yes. require safety, where, and, and where they are on safety. Mixed I, coverage. I don't know. You're going to have to mix coverage. You're going to have to make sure that you have guys picking him up from one-on-one. You're going to have to let him slide out from zone to zone. And quarterbacks have been reading the Broncos, and we're talking they about Jimmy been. Garoppolo and Sam Now, Howell. if Jalen Waddell is out, that certainly helps the Broncos. Yeah. But it's not a fix because there are it's certain not. players. Look, Travis Kelsey's one of them. Tyreek Hill's another one of them. And even though the Broncos, actually historically against both those guys, have been – Okay, better against Hill than Kelsey when the when both were with the right. Chiefs. But right. there well, are that was certain Fangio too. There are that certain players in this league. Justin Jefferson's another one. They're gonna get theirs. Okay, that's the reality. They're not really stoppable. And Tyreek Hill is one of those guys. The problem is right now is quarterbacks playing like one of those guys too. And this is gonna be a monumental. So so you're telling me the they might have the best receiver in the league and the best and the best quarterback at the, the present time. That's a problem, especially for a defense, as we pointed out, and expected point, uh, points Although added. Patrick Mahomes suggested contracts suggest otherwise. But Second to last. By the way, the worst three teams on defense and expected yeah. points added are all in the AFC West. Yep. 
None of them, by the way, are the Chiefs. No, They're uh, who have been good defensively. They're 11. And one of those games, not yeah, Chris Jones. Good. Uh-oh. Well, and we'll Chris talk Jones, more about this. Uh, was fully Chris Jones. Uh, yes, he was uh, Jacksonville. present and accounted he, for uh, on many plays. Wrecked the game. He did. And uh, for the Poor Broncos, Jackson. they can't worry about that yet because they have to worry about getting a win, and they're going to have to do it against maybe the league's hottest team. We'll talk more about that as the week goes along. Thanks to Aaron Anderson from Fox 31 joining us as well. Danny Bailey in the booth making everything work. Mostly thanks to you for listening. However you're listening, FM, HD, on MileHighSports.com, or if you're making it easier on yourself and getting all of it on the Mile High Sports app, where you can get all the coverage of everything all in one spot. We appreciate it. We're stepping out until tomorrow, but you'll want to keep it right here. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. This is Mile High Sports. And the trumpets, they-